You're listening to Below the Radar, a knowledge mobilization project recorded out of 312 Maine. This podcast is produced by SFU's Van City Office of Community Engagement. Below the Radar brings forward ideas to encourage meaningful exchanges across communities. Each episode, we interview guests on topics ranging from environmental and social justice, arts, culture, community building, and urban issues. This podcast is recorded on the unceded territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh peoples. I'm Jamie Lee Gonzalez, and this week, our topic is probably quite near and dear to many of our hearts. Hilda Fernandez joins us to talk to Am Johal about love. Hilda is a clinical psychoanalyst doing graduate studies at SFU and the former president of Lacan Salon, a group that meets bi-weekly to read and discuss the work of Freud and Jacques Lacan. Here she talks about love and desire from a psychoanalytical perspective, about the stages of love, how it's sustained and reinvented, and also about the breakups and hatred that can come along with it. Hi there, welcome to Below the Radar. Really excited that you could uh, join us. Today, uh, we're going to be speaking with uh, Hilda Fernandez, who is a practicing psychoanalyst and a founder of the Lacan Salon, also a doctoral student at SFU in geography. Welcome, Hilda. Thank you. Yeah, and, uh, you know, we're going to talk a little bit about um, love and desire and uh, a few other things, part of uh, your practice, part of your thinking, and conferences that you've been involved in uh, putting together. As you know, I, I studied with uh, Elaine Badu, so I'm going to throw out a few quotes uh, from him, and I know that uh, you have um, a lot you've been thinking about through other thinkers. Uh, but one of the things that uh, Badu writes in his book is, borrowing from Rimbaud the phrase that love needs reinventing and this question of how can we think about uh, reinventing um, love today. And also in a, in a world with technology and speed and the way uh, that it unfolds that the sexual act itself uh, ends in a kind of emptiness today and how people deal uh, with that um, observation. Uh, Badu also says that love is a tenacious adventure, that the adventurous side is necessary, but equally so is the need for tenacity itself in terms of uh, the fidelity uh, of love and and uh, the working through of the challenges of uh, relationships in a general sense. Um, I'll leave it at that for now, but I wanted to see what your kind of, uh, how you wanted to uh, open on this question. Yes, um, I very much like uh, the way Badu approaches love. Um, I think that um, he really brings the Lacanian theory into um, a meaningful uh, narrative because Lacan was so interested in the structure and really looking at um, positionality and uh, language. And sometimes it... Um, it didn't give us some sort of um, narrative or content to make sense of those formulas. So I really like uh, Badu doing that. And I, I like um, his concept of um, love is an event that we have to maintain fidelity to. But it's difficult to maintain fidelity to love because we have to deal with our narcissism. 
So love is very narcissist, right? Is um, there's uh, the the first uh, Cupid's uh, arrow, right? The encounter, and then you are captivated by a gaze or a smile, and then everything around you starts to feel unreal and magical, and you are like completely in this exuberance of feelings, and it's a rupture of the quotidian, and um, Vart says is all the delights of the earth, right? So um, this um, uh, event uh, starts to move into the ambivalence of love and the difficulties of love because um, love is always um, um, kind of susceptible to be lost. The value of the object of love is that you can lose that loved one. And that's the beauty of, of love. You enter love knowing that there's the possibility of losing. And that creates a lot of ambivalence, a lot of anxiety. We want to hold on to that. And um, I was saying before, our narcissism uh, gets in the way because we are asking for reciprocity all the time as if it was an, an exchange. And this demand becomes uh, quite voracious, quite insatiable, right? You want a proof, you demand a proof of love. And um, yeah, that that's um, what one main difficulty, right? Like we are capture, um, it's almost like we capture our own image through the other. And Lacan says that love has to do with knowledge in the sense that the other can tell me about myself. The, the other can invent me as a better person through their eyes. And then we don't want to lose that. We hold on to that. But that's a, a capture of imaginary. That's, that's kind of the first um, kind of stage of uh, love and yeah, the the I, I like when when you said uh, reinvention because that's kind of um, I, I did this little map about the different stages of love, and um, the last one was reinvention, constant reinvention. Uh, love works in the scene of the two, Badu. Yeah. Um, and in, in in a way, they both uh, Badu and Lacan are talking about the movement of the one to the two, and the kind of the impossibility of that is kind of built into an idea of love. Right, 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 right. Um, yes, uh, and it's from the one to the two uh, in Badu, yeah, and coming from Lacan. I was just thinking for Bataille, for example, the the erotic encounter has to um, do with this uh, impetus towards the one, to, towards the continuity, because uh, between you and me, there's a gulf, right? Between me and the other, there's a, there's a gap that the erotic act uh, tries to um, shorten and become one. But, but, but Bataille says that's death, right? Continuity, being one with the other, is, is um, uh, losing yourself fully. So that could be the field of the death. So it's... Um, the erotic act, in a way, is um, somehow embracing death, but stating life in spite of that desire of uh, becoming one, right? So, yeah, the scene of the two is 
pretty much love. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so a couple of years ago, the Le Con Salon, which you were involved in uh, founding here in uh, Vancouver, uh, was involved in a, a conference on love. And I'm wondering if you can maybe just begin by talking a little bit about what the Le Con Salon is and, and what uh, you were trying to do uh, with it as, as somebody... Um, uh, coming from Mexico and uh, Lacanian psychoanalysis, uh, uh, in particular in the U.S. and Canada, not uh, having a kind of mainstream uh, landing in the way that it does in parts of Latin America and Europe and other places. Yes, um, I came here in 2000, and then it took me seven years to realize that there was um, nothing Lacanian. <laughs> Seven years. No, I was connected to other uh, groups of uh, psychoanalysis that are from other schools of thoughts, for example, object relations. The Western branch uh, at that time was uh, Western Canada Psychoanalytics. Uh, Psychotherapy Association. And then um, 2007, I was working with um, a guy, Michael McConkie, working on um, how we can invite uh, uh, kind of a Lacanian thought into discussion. And then we started the Lacan Salon. He disappeared after the third session. He said, no, I don't want. And then there was Clint Burnham, Paul Kingsbury, and Jesse Proudfoot, um, um, they uh, contributed to founded this the Lacan Salon that now has been working for eleven years, believe it or not. And um, it's a we, very SFU heavy <laughs> contingent there. Very very <laughs> heavy, yes, yeah, very SFU. But we have uh, people from UBC and from anywhere. Really, you don't have to have any. Uh, credential or any allegiance to any institution is uh, very free, open to everyone, and you you have uh, support us very much with the um, uh, space at uh, a few Woodwards. Um, so we meet there every every other Tuesday, and we discuss different texts of Lacan and Freud. And um, yes, uh, two years ago it was 2016 in the summer, and we had um, a. a collaboration with the APW, Association of Psychoanalytic Work Groups, and we organized uh, a conference on love. They have every year a different theme, and that theme, obviously, it's um, a dear one for everyone. (laughs) So it was a lot of um, psychoanalysts from uh, different parts of the world, Lacanian psychoanalysts, and then there was uh, all the contingency or the constituency of the Lacan Salon, which is very much academics and um, grad students that are not necessarily clinicians, so it was a very good encounter. And um, in that occasion, uh, I had the greatest pleasure of uh, knowing a dear friend that was a very short friendship, unfortunately, um, Andu Formantel, that um, we had a kind of instant connection and I had wonderful uh, conversations over those three years. (laughs) That was a slip of the tongue. (laughs) (laughs) Three days. Mm. Uh, I wish there were three years. Um, That's my desire. So it was wonderful to have her here. She had such an amazing presence. And I'm talking uh, about um, in the past because, uh, unfortunately, she tragically passed away the year after, exactly one year. And um, her passing away has been very um, shocking for the community, right? Like she was such a wonderful philosopher and interestingly in the talk that she gave at SFU she talked about the notion of a 
a drowning child, the, the yes. act of doing that in, in the sense of how she passed away as well, attempting to save um, these two children. Uh, I had a chance to study with Anne at European Graduate School, and uh, you know she was a remarkable uh, thinker, a really great uh, thinker on love, and um, uh, the work uh, that she did uh, through Derrida and other places on hospitality mm -hmm. was really essential to uh, thinking, and she was just such a... Uh, a forceful um, uh, participant in uh, places like European Graduate School, but also um, as a guest at this uh, conference. And uh, I'm wondering uh, if you could talk a little bit about the kind of correspondence and conversations you were having uh, with Anne on this topic. Yes, um, we. she presented a case. Um, we talk about the case. Uh, I'll briefly say... Um, it was um, the love uh, re relationship or uh, yeah, kind of story of a young man that um, was very, very young, like a child, and was almost drawing, drowning in a lake. And then there was an um, adult man that saved him. And there was some question by the family about whether or not uh, in the rescue he was uh, sexually abused or uh, molested by this uh, man. So that was like um, something that happened long, long ago. And then these two men encounter uh, many, many, many uh, years later when the child became an adult. And they, um, uh, she said, incarnated, um, that was the word that she used, incarnated that love. So there was some love there. And the, um, so, so we talk about that case more in, in depth. But we talk about all sorts of things about um, the patriarchy in, um, in uh, philosophy and um, yeah, how to subvert that phallic uh, kind of knowledge that um, permeates in all um, academia. And we talk about um, our love stories. <laughs> that was fun. I was going to visit her the following year uh, in Europe, exactly in the place where she died. And I always lament, yeah, you know, my omnipotence. <laughs> I, I think, oh, if I could be there, um, could this be different? What if, right? Like, I, I don't know why I think that it could be different, but um, I lament not having visited her as we had um, uh, planned together. Um, mm -hmm. But it was, uh, for me, a great encounter, and I um, I think a lot of her yeah, yeah. in my life. Yeah. yeah. And uh, in terms of how you're thinking about love um, today, who are you reading and, and uh, how are you thinking about it today? And also in terms of your, your practice, because I imagine um, um, issues of relationships and love um, come into your clinical practice as well. It's absolutely central, right? Um, the, uh, Lacan says the demand, uh, any demand, like I want a coffee, <laughs> or um, I want you to get on time, <laughs> or um, I don't know, I want to go to Europe. Uh, all those demands are demands for love. So there's always um, uh, at core the, the, um, this um, concept of love. And also it's uh, often the, um, 
they're almost like the end point of um, kind of the horizon of desire for the analysand. I want to find love. It's just the problem is that there's no like a store <laughs> in our consumerist uh, kind of approach. There is no love store. Like there's nothing you can really do purposely as uh, in this uh, all affirmative like uh, ego psychology that you can do it by yourself actually Love doesn't come that way. Love is this encounter that we don't really know how it happens. But um, it happens because there's some openness, right? As uh, I said before, you enter losing in a way. You have, uh, Lacan says, love has to do with giving uh, what you don't have. So you have to make a space in your psyche, in your heart, to uh, you have to uh, to acknowledge that there's a lack, so you can take the other. As 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 your lover, if you are full, if you are suture, you are never going to find love, right? And how you get to that point, it's uh, a process of uh, uh, understanding why we are kind of uh, mentalized to ne deny our lack and seeing that as a negative, uh, but it's really what allows the other to enter. I approach uh, in, in the clinical from um, the perspective of uh, Lacan, obviously, who he didn't do really uh, a lot of um, theory about love. It's not, he, he theorized sexuation, he theorized desire. Uh, the subject of the unconscious, language, all those things. But love, ha I mean, love is all permeating his um, work, but um, he doesn't have like a specific formalization, as Badu uh, points out. Um, he talks about, um, yeah, this uh, lack, but also um, how that love that we were talking the, uh, in, in Freud was the Verlivheit, this enamoration, is also linked to hate, right? Like we love and hate. Um, and often, often, I mean, when we are super in love, as soon as the other disappoints us or leave us, which is really not fun, um, then we get really PC and we hate the other, like hate it, like deeply, right? So mm. uh, uh, usually the hate that comes after love, it's in proportion of the intensity of the love that you experience. Yeah. Glenn Coulthard talks about the relationship between love and hate and the relationship to politics, that when somebody takes something away that you love or something that needs to be uh, preserved as a part of a way of um, being in the world, the natural response to it is a kind of hatred, it is a kind of resentment, and that there's a kind of productivity to that um, as well. And in the way that um, Badu talks about um, uh, politics, science, art being a kind of truth procedure, he talks about love in the same way as a kind of material production between people. And, um, you know, how would you characterize that in relation to how Lacan ap approaches it? Do you see differences there or do you see some uh, connection between yeah. their approaches? Yeah, I see a um, uh, connection, uh, I mean, with this truth procedure. Uh, Lacan could say something like... Um, the imaginary love, which is this, uh, he, he calls it enamoration. 
um, in in uh, enamoration, with um, which means hate and love together, um, that that can be um, transformed uh, to a symbolic love that is imaginary love uh, by um, sort of the oath that in Bacht is the oath or in Marion, which is like, I love you, I give you my lack in a way. That That is more a symbolic pact, right? The, sim- the symbolic element subdues a little bit that intense narcissism that is at the core of love. And um, and also he moves it to, towards the sexual non, non-relation. Uh, Lacan says we, we cannot... The sexual um, relation doesn't exist, and it means that we cannot have this one that Bataille says, right? We can never achieve that uh, one. So we have to try to come to terms with that uh, discontinuity, that separation. So for Lacan, in in terms of um, the sexual relationship, love is what makes desire and jouissance condescend, like, like kind of a getting uh, to certain agreement. Uh, it's a way of uh, grating. In spite of that fatality, he says, of the non-relation, it's, it's uh, trying to, to uh, relate to subject to subject rather than subject to object, which is the way that, that we do. But there was something else I, I wanted to say there about, uh, yeah, the subject to subject relations. Oh, yeah, the, 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 also in terms of the truth procedure is this um, back and forth between Erastes and Eromenos, which are the positions that Lacan takes from Plato in in the banquet or the symposium. And uh, the Erastes is the one that um, loves, is the lover. It's the one that gets the best deal in spite of the fact that um, mainstream, we think that, yeah, you want to be loved. But um, it's that truth procedure of the lover, that labor of the lover that is transformative of the subject. Whereas the eromenos, which is um, by the default position that we have, we all want to be loved, no matter what, right? Um, And that passive demand... uh, it doesn't allow any transformation. You are just receiving that, and that's the story, for example, of Don Juan, Don Giovanni, right? The the this the compulsor, uh, compuls, compulsion, repetition of seduction, or the woman that just uh, woman or man that are trying just to seduce and serial daters, right? They just want that uh, high or of the first stage of the the arrow they fabricate in a way this first stage of love uh, uh, in this enamoration and then they just uh, exit right every time so they are just looking for that they just want to be loved but they don't want to enter that exchange which is I give you my vulnerability in hope that you that you take it in in hope that you host it Mm-hmm. One of the things that Anne uh, talks about in a really interesting way, Anne Dufermentel, um, is sort of when one goes past the initial infatuation of love and there is um, a loss or a lack of trust that, that happens to um, surpass and to get around that, that what a new beginning might look like. 
And uh, I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about that in terms of the, the people that you're reading of what, uh, uh, because if, if love is to endure and to have a sense of uh, fidelity, there's breakdowns that inevitably uh, occur in any relationship that um, how does um, one embark on a new beginning as part of the process of love? Right. Um, yeah, I, I really like very much the fidelity to the event that Badu talks about. How um, how can we um, honor that moment of encounter, uh, over overcoming that uh, kind of narcissistic trap? Uh, like Khan mentions at some point that love is comical. <laughs> love is comical because um, you can see. Um, the person that is in love and is absolutely uh, in the clouds, and then the following week you are like, he's like motherfucker, <laughs> <laughs> so very hateful and that kind of thing. So um, that that is, I mean, observing from outside is comical, right? Um, but but then is how um, you can accept the person not as an object that is gonna uh, reproduce your beloved. Uh, image of yourself, but accept that person with um, their perspiration and their smell and their, um, as uh, Lady Gaga says, with their ugly and disease. Can we love that? That's the question. Can we reinvent love? And I think that's, that's um, I mean, I have been married for a long time, more than 20 years long time uh, and it's uh, it's always these encounters and then encounters but it is the willingness of the both right I, I, I always um, when I go to weddings I in the card I always say the same um, may you never lose the willingness to reinvent love because it's if one of them of the couple is not willing there's not much to say. And that's so painful for the other because you want to continue with the labor of love. You want to continue uh, building, but the other can't or don't want to. And then, yeah, that's that's the, the difficult part if you are in the other side. Yeah. I was going to just press this for a second. <laughs> this is a little unicorn that Hilda got me when I was recently at the, the hospital, but I wanted to change the, the, the topic for something new, which is uh, you've recently started uh, working as a, a grad student uh, in terms of bringing some of uh, the psychoanalytic work into in geography, a discipline which is very open and uh, takes on other disciplines and, and uh, this type of thing. And I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about um, the research that you're, that you're embarking on right now. I have been working in Vancouver Coastal Health uh, since 2004 as a psychotherapist in uh, one program that is uh, called SAFER that now is uh, under the umbrella of outpatient services at Vancouver General Hospital. And I work there as a psychotherapist with people who have been touched by suicide, either because they have had attempts, uh, suicidal thoughts, or they have lost someone through suicide. So quite a lot I see people with trauma, trauma histories. So then I decided to do uh, something about investigating what are our uh, beliefs in the system, and I am doing an institutional critique of how the different levels of service provision conceptualize trauma and uh, healing. 
And um, it has been an interesting journey. I'm in the middle of uh, the field work, and I am interviewing managers and clinicians, and I am also interviewing patients. I have had a little bit of difficulty to gather some patients because the ethics review has certain procedures that you cannot exert on due influence, but at, at the same time, it doesn't provide you relations. Uh, I'm working with the Aboriginal wellness team. I'm working with one mental health team and addiction services as well as outpatient services. So it's very interesting to see, for example, the indigenous ways, absolutely amazed by the way of working with them, so different, and I'm so privileged and so happy to work with them. So my intention is to bring uh, some understandings of how these structural uh, discourses shape the way we see trauma. I think that we can do way better job, right? But I am very glad that, uh, that the research institute, Vancouver Coastal Health Research Institute, is funding my research, actually. Yeah. And how are you finding taking this work within the field of geography, which has its own uh, histories, lexicon, things to uh, organize the, the, the discipline itself? How uh, does psychoanalysis and geography and that encounter fit together? Right. There's uh, in geography. There's a lot of things that you can um, study from different perspectives. In human geography, I, I am part of your human geography, and particularly there from psychoanalytic geographies. There's um, kind of a scholarly work around uh, psychoanalytic um, geographies that has to do with thinking relations of proximity, uh, relations of space relations of scale. So it's a, it has a, a very um, strong theoretical framework that I can incorporate my understandings of the unconscious with um, a structure in an institution. So it, it was uh, the best deal that I could get to do my PhD because I didn't want to go into psychology and um, not having the opportunity of work on um, the theory that I have studied for ever <laughs> for 20 plus years. How, where do you see uh, future conferences that the Le Camp Salon will um, organize in, in Vancouver? Is there some ideas around themes that uh, uh, the group is uh, interested in investigating? Well, we had um, this year, actually, the conference of La Conference, which is or La Conference, that we have been organizing, um, I think 2009 was the first, is um, every other year. And this year we had um, the Lacan and the Environment. But I, I like, I'm not the president anymore. Uh, I'm a clinical You're director. The Queen Bee the of Queen the Lacan Salon. <laughs> Um, but now um, I, I like to propose something regarding politics. I think that uh, in the world, psychoanalysis is moving more into really how can we talk about um, political change more um, pragmatically, more practically. There's a lot of groups everywhere from all the different schools of thought, obviously as a response of the uh, rise of uh, neo-fascist groups, uh, the the climate change crisis that we have 10 years, right, or so to really do something uh, dramatically different. So I think that I would like to propose that um, as a possibility for uh, 
conference. So Hilda, let's maybe uh, delve a little bit into uh, the breakup and what comes up in the realm of love. Hmm. One time I tweet, tweeted something that says, unbeknownst of its ways, love starts and ends. You just know it did. So yeah, um, breakups happen. Some are um, able to be uh, healed and you can reconnect with the loved one. And sometimes that is not possible. And this is the most of uh, devastate, devastating for people. Their heart uh, broken, as we said before. Um, it causes a lot of hate, and that hate often can be uh, addressed to the ex-lover, but also against yourself. And I see that often in the context of uh, suicidal crisis. People are so shocked by the loss that they attempt against themselves. And um, this catastrophic hurt um, can be healed once that you um, are willing to let go of the narcissistic image that that one provided you. So at the core of this horrendous hate and hurt, you are complicit in a way by trying to hold so hard on that beautiful image of yourself that the other provided for whatever time the love lasted and then those uh, that grief can be healed once that you put yourself on your own side because when you are trapped in that imaginary state of the love object you are on the side of the other and you are under its control but it's gone like move on right just recover yourself recover your project recover what is important for you rather than dwelling in this thing. But, uh, yeah, it requires uh, some process of uh, understanding. As Bart says, it's also those tears and the, th that drama. It has its enjoyment, right? It's like, I, I love, like it's a demonstrative act. I was in love. Look at me. I'm a mess. And that's, yeah, it, that's uh, enjoyable a little bit. But the problem is that, as everything else, we are entropic beings, right? And we go right into destruction. So important to rem remind ourselves that, yeah, it's, it's just an image of your own self. Just let it go. Concentrate on what is really important. Yeah, mm -hmm. Yeah. thank you so much for uh, joining us, Hilda. Is there uh, one last thing you'd like to tell us about love and desire? To, to also to love... Uh, you have to be aware of the split that is within you, the split between what you say you want and the split um, and the other part of you that is your body and your unconscious. And uh, whenever you are able to accept that split, because it's a split mainly because of censorship, because an internalized um, malignity in a way that it is within you so often we are the our worst enemies and the more you can understand that um split between those part of you the easiest is to accept yourself and then accept the other and then find love here's there <laughs> thank you so much hilda thank you <laughs> love it <laughs> thank you.
Thank you, Hilda, for discussing your work with us and doing some demystifying around what exactly might be going on when we find and lose love. To learn more about what Hilda is up to with her fellow Lacanians, you can check out the Lacan Salon website, which we link to in the description, or join them every other Tuesday at SFU Woodwards. Thanks to our team here that produces this show, including myself, Melissa Roach, and Maria Cecilia Saba. Thank you to Davis Steele for our theme music, and thanks to all the listeners.